0: Welcome to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series, Paths to On-Farm Excellence, where we discuss priority topics for Canadian dairy farmers. My name is Stephen Roach. I'm the Director and Principal Consultant for an animal health research consulting firm called Acer Consulting, which is based in Guelph, Ontario. I'm part of a team that's working with the Dairy Farmers of Canada to help showcase Canadian dairy farming stories, industry updates, and the latest science, advice, and perspectives on high-priority topics that relate to ProAction. You'll find this channel features a number of different series, from animal care to biosecurity and beyond. This podcast series features conversations with farmers, veterinarians, nutritionists, hoof trimmers, and other farm advisors, researchers, and many other industry stakeholders. Our next discussion takes place with Dr. Amanda Armstrong, a researcher from Eastern Canada that recently finished her PhD at the Ontario Veterinary College within the University of Guelph. I find some of her work really interesting because she was one of the first researchers to really try and explore and understand healing time for hock, knee, and neck injuries in dairy cattle. I think she found some really interesting results, and she's got some things that she can share for producers that are listening here to help them get on the path towards zero injuries. So, let's jump in. Well, Amanda, um, really excited to have the chance to chat with you over the phone today. Um, partly because you're on another uh, in another province in Canada at the moment, and partly because we're doing our part in social distancing as we uh, as we do a podcast during all of this coronavirus stuff going on. Um, how are things?
1: Hi, Steve. Yeah, thank you so much for letting me come onto your podcast today. It's it's great to talk to you. Things here are good. I'm in a small community in Nova Scotia, so we as of right now, aren't as affected by the coronavirus as the rest of the provinces. And as I've seen, Ontario is today. So it is definitely crazy times going on, but I'm really happy to be able to have the chance to talk to you today.
0: Good. Well, I'm glad, and, and likewise, it's um, it's a, a pleasure to get to ch- uh, chat with you, Amanda, and uh, you know, and and for the the listeners out there to, you know, Amanda uh, and I have had a chance to work together a little bit in in the University of Guelph and and on a variety of animal care topics, and excited to chat with you, Amanda, today about some of the more recent work you've been doing on um on injuries and and lameness and other animal care issues in the Canadian dairy industry, um for for our listeners though Amanda can you give a, a just a, a sense of you know who you are and where you come from and your role and experience in in the Canadian dairy industry and other dairy industries uh, globally
1: Yeah so I currently I'm a PhD candidate in the Department of Population Medicine at OVC but I would say that my involvement with the Canadian dairy industry really started during my undergraduate degree which I got at Dalhousie Faculty of Agriculture. So personally, I don't come from a dairy farming background, but during my time at Dalhousie, they had the opportunity to do volunteer milking. So I signed up and started doing volunteer milkings at the university's farm. And this kind of really led me into finding my passion and love for dairy cows. And as a result of that, I did my fourth year honors project on animal care on dairy farms in Eastern Canada. And so, when I finished my degree, I real I found a love for cows and a love for research. But not coming from that farming background, I figured it would be best if I took a year off to travel and to gain experience in the dairy industry to learn kind of from a producer level rather than what I had learned throughout my undergrad. So I actually moved to England for six months of a year, and I worked on an organic dairy farm there, and it was absolutely one of the most life-changing experiences that I've had. And I learned so much from the farmer, from the community that I was living and working in. And while I was there, I, I still really loved the idea of doing research. And the University of Guelph was something that I had been looking at for quite some time because of their animal welfare programs. And so I applied to do my master's in animal welfare and behavior while I was in England. And I got accepted into the program. And so I moved back from England to Canada, I started doing my master's, which I was lucky to get to work with you, Steve, on investigating using a focus farms approach to motivating dairy farmers to improve animal care and welfare on their farms. And so the really great thing about that research was that it used the peer-to-peer learning where producers can interact and learn from each other based on their own knowledge and past experiences. And it can be used as a tool to bridge the fear of change. And I think that's something that's quite Important in our industry right now with the proaction animal care assessments happening and the requirements for some producers to implement some corrective action and so it was really great to work on a project where I kind of we're still involved with cows but it was also working more so on the producer side of things and along with producers and so when I finished my masters I left with questions like do injuries to the hocks and knees heal. How long would it take if they do heal? And if correction, corrective action is needed on a farm, what is the appropriate amount of time to wait for reassessment? And so I was very fortunate to have had the opportunity to answer these questions through my PhD research, where we've been looking and investigating the characterization and resolution of hawk and knee injuries and in their relationship with abnormal locomotion in Canada. So over the last three and a half years, I've Conducted research on Canadian dairy farms across southwestern Ontario and in central Nova Scotia. And it's, I've been very grateful to have been able to work with dairy producers throughout this entire process
0: that's awesome I mean it's it's always exciting to hear um, you know how you get interested in and in, in excited and passionate about the industry because uh, there's really so many different backgrounds and and it sounds like um, you've got a good handle on on the Canadian perspective and and some international perspective uh, too which is really exciting to sort of jump in uh, Amanda you you've talked about some of the work that you're doing more uh, recently in your PhD and and with a specific focus on injuries Um You know injuries in general can be fairly prevalent on Canadian dairy herds and I know that from some of the other research that I've read uh, globally this seems to be a a trend that we see in many areas in established commercial dairy operations and I I suppose that's one of the biggest reasons why we see programs like ProAction really focusing in on uh, helping farmers reduce that level of injuries and and finding ways to make on-farm improvements to address it. So, if we think about you know a larger focus on it from a hey it's it's a prevalent condition, we need to address it, can you comment a little bit on why this is a concern from an animal care perspective?
1: So I think that from an industry perspective, I, the concern for injuries would that be would be that there's the more severe that they are, they could be causing undue pain and suffering to cows. and then I think um, injuries on cows are in my personal opinion, a result from the environment in which they're living. And so I think that looking at the high prevalence of them, some adjustments may need to change uh, in, in terms of environmental changes in order to decrease how common they are. Mm-hmm. So I think that that would play into why they're becoming such a concern, especially with these proactive animal care assessments occurring. So looking to see what the prevalence is. So we know kind of what it is in Canada, but if we could look at it by province and then see what kind of changes we can implement to decrease those numbers.
0: Mm-hmm. So you commented on on sort of the cows' environment and the housing as, as an important consideration when it comes to the occurrence of, of injuries. Um, so can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? What is it about the farm environment specifically that makes injuries likely to occur or, on the other hand, uh, unlikely to occur?
1: Right. So I would say that... Within the environment itself, um, it's a lot to do with the stall environment, which the cows are laying in. So, I think that that would kind of be one of the main issues, so this would include the, the base of the stall. So, some research has found that uh, cows that are housed on a harder surface, such as mattresses, are more likely to develop injuries, and this could be due to the friction that the cow has when they're in between standing and lying boats. And then I think it's also to do with the type and the amount of bedding used and then of, and the dimensions of the stall and the environment.
0: So there's quite a few things that, that come into play there. Do we know how uh, things differ by say free stall versus tie stall environments or even pack barns if we really get into some of the nuances of sort of loose housing versus tied uh, housing?
1: Yeah, so I I would say that the, the main difference being between at least free stall housing systems and tie stall housing is that in a tie stall situation cows when they're in the barn they are tethered to their stall and so therefore they're at an increased risk of coming into the stall partitions and the stall base, neck rail and that type of thing more more frequently than cows stay in a freestall facility where they're free to get up and move around within the facility but then when we're looking at these bedded pack situations you're eliminating the stall completely and so I think that that has a, a great impact on the prevalence of injuries because you're taking away what, could, what research is finding is one of the, the main risk factors in the development of these injuries
0: right and so sort of, sort of with that thinking um i i kind of expect that you know in cases at least maybe in the summertime when it's possible and cows have access to the outdoors we probably see um in at least in many cases that that injuries are less likely to occur or maybe have have better chance of healing is that is that what we're seeing from a research standpoint as well
1: yeah yeah and i think um for my research specifically we did look at Putting cows moving within from barn environments to say a pasture environment. And what we found was that healing did take place when cows moved from an environment with a stall to the pasture where they were kind of free to move about as they please.
0: Okay. And, and, and so just to get into the, the details of that a little bit, um, you conducted that, that work in, in the Guelph area or in Ontario?
1: Yeah, so we we did it both in the Guelph area and in central Nova Scotia. So we had five farms around the Guelph area. We had to kind of put restrictions on travel time for myself and my research assistants. And so we, the furthest away that we went was close to to Godrich, the Godrich area. And then in Nova Scotia, we had around uh, 10 farms in the central area near Shupadakadie. That we conducted the research on and so across the the 15 farms that we we had in our study we there was a mix of transitions so cows could have gone from a tie stall facility to pasture or cows were uh, moving into a new barn so they would have gone from a, a water bed or mattresses to deep bedded sand in a freestyle facility or we even had some cows that went from mattresses with very little bedding to a a compost bedded pack barn. So we tried to, when we were enrolling farms into the, the study, we tried to kind of get as many transitions as we possibly could so we could try to cover something from uh, water beds to uh, deep bedded sand or tie stall to a freestyle facility or tie stall to pasture. So we tried to cover as many transitions as possible to see how hawk and knee injuries would heal or change within every kind of environment.
0: Very cool. So so I, I, I guess what it, one of the things that I, I really like about that apart from the fact that I know that this is a type of research that really hasn't been done before, to my knowledge anyway, is that um, you're capturing a lot of different types of of changes that could occur and may very well occur if if we ask producers to sort of find more comfortable environments. Because we know that, you know, access to the outdoors is not always possible or not always feasible, depending on the location we're in, the geography of the farm itself, or of course, season, um, given that we're blanketed under some, some pretty significant white stuff uh, the majority of the year um so so given some of those transitions uh, amanda and your overall research project what would you say are some of the key takeaways so far or the lessons learned how have those transitions worked and are there some sort of particular winners or or ones that we go yeah that's that's an important transition that's really led to some some beneficial results in terms of injuries
1: yeah, so when we were conducting it, what we, we were interested in, we kind of had two objectives with looking at the cows through these transitions. So our first one was to see if the, the more mild or moderate hawk injuries, so just some balding, maybe some scabbing and some mild to medium swelling, what, how those injuries behaved through the transitions versus some of the more severe uh, hawk, hawk and knee injuries, so where there's major swelling. And and you don't really know. It would be more of an acute case of an injury, so you're not entirely sure how the cow developed such a severe injury. And so we what we really wanted to do was to see uh, to tease them apart to see if they had different if they behaved differently throughout the transitions. And so um, our results were were quite exciting. We did find that cows that had mild or moderate hock injuries did heal depending on the severity or sorry, on their severity and, of course, the housing environment that they moved to. So what we found is that cows that transitioned from mattresses to mattresses showed very little healing compared to cows that transitioned to a deep-bedded sand barn or to pasture. Um, we did have one of our farms where they had... Uh, a deep bedded system and so it was a mattress as a base but they put they had a bedding keeper and a substantial amount of bedding on the mattresses and cows that transitioned to that did show signs of healing Mm -hmm. however they didn't heal completely like those cows that were transitioned to standard pasture did and then um, unfortunately those cows with the the major swelling so the more severe injuries regardless of the environment that they transitioned into we did not see any type of healing take place.
0: Interesting. So you've seen a couple situations where it's really worked out, and then some other situations where I guess I gather more severe injuries, or um, you know, I guess more similar transitions going from one environment to another similar environment has led to to either the injury not recovering or really not much healing taking place. Is that a fair sort of summary?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. And, and so when we had the, the cows with the more uh, mild to moderate hawk injuries, it it took around two to three months to see any type of, of healing take place, um, regardless of the environment that they moved, in to, moved into. So it, it was possible, but it did take some time before complete healing
0: occurred. Mm-hmm. And so, and just to, to tease that apart a little bit. So regardless of severity, um, that was sort of the, the two to three month timeline was sort of the, the time it took to see, um, any type of healing or healing, I guess, to use the ProAction language. If we've got a, a Hawk injury, for example, that's a score of a two or a three. So under pro action, they're scored as a requires corrective action. Um, it, it took two to three months in order for that Hawk to sort of heal enough so that it became a quote unquote acceptable hawk is is that right or is there more nuance than that
1: no yeah you're you're exactly right in saying that so it was more the the cows with a hawk injury score of two that we it was around two to three months before they became an acceptable hawk injury score so that either being a score of zero or a score of one and we found that if a cow had a hawk injury score of three uh they, they didn't ever recover to that acceptable score
0: Wow. Okay, so that's important information to know. Um, and for those uh, cows that were turned out on pasture, uh, were they? Uh, what kind of? What did outdoor access look like for them? Were they were they there for a certain number of hours a day? Was it was it different by farm? Can you tell us a little bit about what outdoor access actually looked like?
1: Yeah. So it, it differed by farm. So some. Cows would be out during the day after, so they would be in the barn, they'd have their morning milking, and then they'd go out onto pasture for the day and come back into the barn for the evening milking, and sometimes they would stay in overnight. We had cases where the cows were out on pasture completely, and they would be brought in to the barn for just for milkings, and we also had it where there were cows during their dry-off period that spent their entire... um, dry period out on pasture
0: gotcha so okay there were a, a number of different approaches that were taken
1: yes yeah
0: so if we actually look at uh, and try and sort of boil some of these findings down and what we know from other research studies what would you say to producers that are listening and, and and looking at um or thinking about different ways that they can help um reduce the the likelihood that injuries are going to happen at all and then uh on the flip side trying to to help their animals' injuries heal. What are some of the best practices producers should be looking at?
1: So personally, I think that moving to a deep-bedded system would be helpful in terms of, one, preventing the injuries from occurring, and then also if you do have injuries on your farm on your and you can move to a deep-bedded system to begin with, that would help to, to kind of decrease the prevalence or help them heal over time. Um, I think that the, the farm that we had in my study where he used the deep bedded system, it was promising because it showed that healing goods still take place. So if, if you do require corrective action, it doesn't necessarily have to be to change your, your housing system completely. It could be something as just adding some, putting in more bedding rather than, say, putting in sand or moving to like a sand-based system or a bedded pack. Type
0: system Mm -hmm. yeah some more substantial changes aren't always necessary if that's not possible right away
1: right yeah
0: so from your standpoint i mean obviously there are many aspects of of injuries that can be uh frustrating um you know there's a lot of factors that influence uh, their occurrence sort of like lameness that way um for you what are some of the most frustrating aspects of injuries and, and where do we need to go to sort of help producers better understand what they can do on their farm to address the situation
1: Um, So that's a great question, Stephen. I think from my perspective, lameness is widely accepted as a welfare concern for the dairy industry, and I found that the same cannot be said when it comes to injuries. And I'm not entirely sure if this is due to a lack of understanding, but from my experience while I was conducting my research, there was less concern given to injuries than to lameness. And part of my research was to look to see if there's a relationship between injuries and lameness and what that association and relationship looks like. And we found that they are associated with each other. And therefore, I believe that they should be equally accepted as a welfare concern in the dairy industry. And so I think if producers are looking to uh, potentially decrease their prevalence of lameness, say, on their farm, One approach would be looking to see what their prevalence of hawk injuries that require corrective action are. And I think that there's a potential to kind of work with them together to try and decrease the prevalence of both of them. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's definitely important to view them as as welfare, as a welfare
0: concern. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a, a good answer. I mean, it's certainly one of those things there's, there's always more than than just a, a small number of things to worry about on the farm, uh, from day to day to, to problem areas to, you know, areas that the quality assurance programs are, are asking us to focus on. And so there's no shortage of things to focus on. And um, I think it's, imp- you know, your work is highlighting the importance of, of uh, treating injuries seriously. And one one sort of final question I, I I wanted to ask you about some of the research you've done in your experience, Amanda, is you know, we often talk about frame of reference or, um, the term farm blindness has, has been used more recently when we talk about, um, not always being able to see the forest for the trees, uh, when it comes to a specific condition on, on the farm. So this has been used in, in relation to injuries and and lameness as well, where, you know, it's been shown that, that producers, you know, on the farm on a near, you know, constant basis are not always able to, to see the true extent of the situation because they're used to the, level of lameness or the level of injuries that they have on the farm and so it's sort of perceived to be normal and what we're seeing is when we go you know across farm to farm to farm we see that there are abnormal levels uh, in cert- certain cases and it's sometimes hard for that producer to uh, see that or to acknowledge that and so sometimes it seems like this might be a barrier to the mindset like you're saying that this is an important issue and an important issue on my farm how do you think producers can get a true handle on where they're at and and Um, How do advisors come in, like veterinarians, come into play uh, with this kind of situation?
1: Right. And I think that's a really good point, Steve, and a great question. And I think that something that's unique to Canada right now is that we have these proaction animal care assessments that are taking place on all of our farms, and the results are available to the producers. So I think that if producers want to see or want to get a handle on, on where they are in terms of the prevalence of injuries, it would be a great place to start would be to look at the results from their animal care assessment. And I think personally, I think it's important that they don't just look at the cows that fall under their the category of requiring corrective action. I think that an important category, especially for lameness, is the, the monitor cows and cows that fall under that the monitor category for lameness and even cows that have hawk and knee injury scores of zero and one, in my opinion, are all opportunity cows. So I think if producers implement corrective action for them, as well as the cows that require corrective action, they could prevent further cases from developing. And then in Ontario specifically, I know that veterinarians have been trained to be proaction advisors for producers, mm-hmm. and I think that this is really great because they can work. Producers can work with their veterinarian to to come up with corrective action plans and to set tangible goals and realistic timelines for their herd. And something that we looked at in doing research together, Steve, was using these focus farms approaches, and I think that in working with a veterinarian, uh, producers could work with other producers within the same clinic and they could come together in a group setting and learn from each other on what improvements other farms have made to see the best results and kind of lean on each other to find out what's working and, and what they could do to improve the prevalences on their farms.
0: Right. So yeah, I think that's a that's a nice answer and it, it encompasses a number of things. You know, there are people at, at our disposal, advisors that can answer more and offer more tailored recommendations and, and provide information. And um, you know, their industry as a whole is is Somewhat implementing this this quality assurance program uh, to provide that feedback back to farmers, and I think that can be uh, useful. And I really like the way you've you sort of highlighted the quote unquote opportunity cows. It's it's not just about those that require corrective action, but those those ones with milder injuries that maybe we don't need to see. You know. Uh, or wait for three months for them to heal. Maybe we can come up with system, you know systems that are more likely to prevent them from occurring, and then um, really help with the healing and remediation of those those injuries should they occur.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that it's important to look at to look at those cows for all of those reasons.
0: Great. Um, for the, the listeners out there, uh, Amanda, um, any final words of advice, whether they're farmers or, or advisors, when it comes to how they think about, approach, or understand injuries on Canadian dairy farms?
1: So I would say to, one is to not be afraid of the research that is going on, because in terms of the research, the aim is to, to help producers achieve optimal animal care and welfare on their farms. And really to, to anyone listening, at the end of the day, we're, we're all in this together in the dairy industry and we're all working towards that the common goal of ensuring optimal care and welfare for Canadian dairy cows.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that's pretty well said, and and we'll leave it there. Um, Amanda, thanks very much for your time and and for sharing um, some of the results of your very recent uh, work. Um, all the best in in the upcoming defense of your PhD research. Um, I know that this work is is very much needed. I'm very proud to have it conducted here in Canada, um, and uh, and we look forward to being able to share some of the messages from your your work today, and and some of the work that you're going to continue to do uh, as a passionate member of the Canadian dairy industry. So thanks very much.
1: Thank you, Steve. And thank you so much for allowing me to come on and, and speak today about my research. It, it was a great opportunity to, to kind of get some of our, our results out there and, and a great conversation with you, as always, in terms of animal care in the Canadian dairy industry.
0: Thanks for listening to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into injuries. The focus of this project is to try and help Canadian dairy producers make informed decisions about animal care on their farms, and support them in striving for continuous improvement. For more information, please visit the Dairy Farmer of Canada website, dairyfarmers.ca, and don't forget to like and subscribe for more content. This podcast was narrated, edited, and produced by me, Stephen Roach. Thank you to our guests, Dr. Amanda Armstrong, and to you for listening. The project is hosted by the Dairy Farmers of Canada and partly funded by the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a five-year federal-provincial-territorial initiative. Thank you for listening.